in the words of Jesus, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Sid's going to be preaching this morning, but during worship, I really felt that this morning, as Sid gets up to preach and speak and minister, that God is going to be speaking to us in visions, in our mind, feelings in our heart. He's going to open up things for us to have a glimpse into the things that he has called us to individually and personally. So I ask you this morning that as it gets up, that you will rest and just receive what Sid has to say and allow it to land in your heart. Pat spoke about just having an open heart here today. Allow it to land because Sid's going to be speaking from the heart of God, from heaven directly, basically, to you today. He's here to do that. So I pray today that you will open your hearts, that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened, that you will get a glimpse into the spirit realm of the things that God has for you in the future, and that you will be able to rise up accordingly and prepare yourselves for the things that God has Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So it's come here today to do that with us, to help us to walk into destiny and purpose. So Sid, we bless you today as you stand up and as you've prepped. Lord, we just thank you for this wonderful, faithful man that loves you and loves people. Thank you that you are anointing his words today, Lord. And thank you that your words, Lord, his words, carry power through you, Holy Spirit. And that they will land and that you will open up something for our eyes and our hearts to see today to walk us into kingdom, purpose, and destiny. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Yay, lovely to be here. I just want to tell you I love Freedom House. And uh, I just I enjoy worshiping together with such fantastic and incredible people like yourselves. I just look around. I can't help it sometimes in worship. I just got to go over and just give a squeeze and a hug here and, a, and, a, and just a little word of encouragement there. I just really love what God is doing with us. This is a very powerful expression of the body of Christ in the world today. And uh, you are part of that and you make up that. And we intentionally all together are being knitted together for that church that Teresa was talking about, where the gates of hell will not prevail. You are part of it. Your decisions, your faithfulness, your obedience, you submitted meek under God, surrendering to His call, will, purpose, and plan for your life, is achieving for all of us a great inheritance. So everything is intentional. Everything is purposeful and important. Every decision you make, is so strategic in the kingdom. It is powerful. You are powerful. It's not just flippant, and um, we're not just lackadaisy, uh, laissez-faire. We're not just, uh, well, I'll just brush and breeze in as I want. And just. We are about the king and the king's kingdom and his business. Jesus went around 
And he did only that which his father was doing. He was about his father's business. He's our example. Jesus is our everything. And today I'm going to preach um, the story of Luke 4 when Jesus went into the wilderness. We're in a series at the moment of identity in Christ. We're speaking about our identity and identity is so key. Because if the devil undermines your identity, who you are and who the Father is in your life, that's where the actions of sin start to happen. But it starts first with a compromising and an undermining in your belief of who you are and who he is. So we need to get this thing rock solid secure. On the solid rock I stand, Jesus Christ. And no other shifting sand. So just to recap, Ryan last week, he spoke around family and he was speaking about slaves. You're not just a, a beast. You're not just a, oh, I'm, you know, I'm only human. You know that excuse, I'm only human. So I can just be a beast, an animal, or just go by instinct and do what I like and sin. We don't have that excuse. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have the grace of God, the fullness of all the promises of heaven inside of you to do the will of God, the plan and the purpose he has for your life on the face of the earth, mission, planet earth. All right. So we are sons and daughters empowered by the grace of God, by the Holy Spirit. We're not in a courtroom. Yes, there's been a courtroom, a justification. You are free, accepted, loved, forgiven, justified in the courtroom, but you've moved not only seeing God as judge, but now as beautiful heavenly father, where you can sit on his lap, where you can be so close to him, you are so close that you are in the Trinity, that the son, Jesus, a man, 100% man, 100% God is in the Trinity and his spirit is inside of you and you are in him. And so you are seated on the throne of God with God. You are so close. You are intimate with God. There's no separation. There's no division. So you are in the lounge. You are in the throne room. You're not just in a courtroom. All right? He is your loving heavenly father. It's not a forensic mindset. Okay? It is family mindset. And God has got an inheritance for his sons and daughters. And Jesus has won the battle. Yes, all right. D-Day has done, all right. But there's still a will to be won. So um, we are no longer sinners saved by grace. You know that that's not even a a right term to use. You are a saint. You are holy and you are a saint. That sometimes sins, all right. All right, I was a sinner. All right, before my BC days, 17 years old. All right, but since I got born again, I'm a saint. I'm born again because He put His Holy Spirit, that righteous gift, inside of me, as He has done with you. All right, and so identity is crucial. And the devil, the first thing he does, he starts to undermine the identity of Jesus. Now, there's this uh, context for the wilderness experience Jesus went through. Before, what happens in Matthew 3, verse 13 to 17 is his baptism. 
It's like this appointing, ordaining, crucial moment, incredible, dramatic. Um, it's an, it's the heavens opened, and next thing, the spirit comes down like a dove, and this um, light appears on Jesus and remains on him. And then next thing, the Father in heaven speaks and says, "This is my Son, whom I love, and I am well pleased." People heard that. It was like, wow, what's going on here? Some thought it just thundered, but God spoke audibly over Jesus. It was a big, ordaining, incredible, or endorsing moment before Jesus unleashes into his ministry. All right? So identity is key. And Jesus, at the age of 30, this starts to happen where he, he goes out into ministry as a mature son. As a, as a man now that has been totally wrapped up in God's word, finding his identity in God's word. Another context for this in Luke 4, in the, the scriptures, it says that he went to Nazareth, his hometown, and he, where he was brought up. And on the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. You know what I love about that? is that as was his custom, he went to the synagogue. That's like you and I, as per our custom, our behavior, our lifestyle, we get to church, all right? We are the church, and church is not just Sundays. Church is in our homes. Church is two or three gathered together. But we are the church. As per our custom, we're not going to just do this as a, oh, when I feel like it, well, then you're never going to do it because you're allowing the flesh to overcome, all right? But we are led by the Spirit. We are intentional that church is important when we come together. And today is an important day. We've got a leaders meeting after this. We're getting in sync together, unified. There's, a, there's land for us to take as Freedom House. There's, there's, there's giants to slay in the land. And we together get to fashion and do that as the army of God, as the family of God, as God's sons and daughters in the kingdom. So that's as per his custom. And then he stood up to read as the scroll of Isaiah was given to him. And he opens up to Isaiah 61. And it says that the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the, the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He said, today this is fulfilled in your midst. Jesus was grounded in his identity in the word of God. So he is finding himself as a young man, because remember Jesus, Luke 2 verse 52, he didn't know everything uh, when he came out the womb of Mary. Wasn't like boss baby where he's like, you know, it's talking, how's it going? What's happening here? You know? All right. He grew in stature and in favor with God and with man. So he he threw maybe his mom was the first, Mary, was to say, you know, Jesus, Joseph's not your daddy. What do you mean, Mom? Well, God your father put you inside of my womb. I was a virgin, and now you were born holy. Everyone else born in sin because of Adam and Eve, but you were born holy, my boy. So testimony from mom, as per his custom, he was, he was getting into the synagogue. He was learning the scriptures. He found his identity in the Torah, in the word of God. 
So he knew who he was as Israel's suffering servant. He saw that in the word of God. There's four songs in Isaiah of the suffering servant. And he would meditate and he knew exactly what the father's will was for his life that he was coming, how he was going to achieve Father God's will, purpose, and plan to get the nations of the earth, the title deed of planet earth again. He was immersed in the word of God. You see, this word temptation, as Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted, is um, in English, it's, it's a very limited word. It can mean you, you tempted to to do evil. Um, there's not much that we can pull that you're tempted to do good. Yeah, I'm really feeling tempted to just bless Greg right now, you know. It doesn't really work in our English uh, vocab, okay. But um, the, the word, the, the Greek is perasmus, razo, all right, perazo, all right. And um, it's, it's, it has this connotation of tempt, but also test. The devil tempts but God also takes us through tests. And the test is not to fail you, but is to show you and reveal to you what is inside of you, to qualify you, to set you up, all right? But sometimes tests are difficult. They, they, you know, when I, I don't, I'm so glad. I had a dream about my trick recently, and I was writing exams. And I, I don't know, it's like over 25 years or something since then. And I, had a, I woke up in a panic. And I said, thank you, Lord, that I don't have to write maths again. Hey, Jen, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. She was my teacher. She somehow helped me scrape through. Thank you, Lord. They're difficult. They're challenging. They're uncomfortable. But you get to realize what's inside of you. All right? When you were playing computer games all day, young guys, yeah, and you didn't study, and then the next thing you see, ah, it revealed that you weren't doing your homework, okay? Abel, yeah. But for Abraham, he went through the test, and he was so convinced about the goodness of God that when God asked him to sacrifice his son, he was so sure and convinced that God would even raise Isaac from the dead. And because he passed that test, there was an oath that God gave to him. Not just a promise of before, Genesis 15 and Genesis 12, but now there was an oath, Genesis 22. Whenever we go through a trial and a test, there's always consolation. There's always reward. There's always going to be an opening up and God extending his blessing and it's just as wonderful endorsing over you. But we need to be a people like Ryan was praying earlier. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the, the earth. Meek means submitted, surrendered to God, following God. Jesus in this Luke 4 chapter of the temptation, the trials in the wilderness, he showed true meekness. Because he overcame by obeying, surrendering, being faithful. And he used the word of God because in these three attempts, he would respond, it is written. It is written. Have you found your identity in this? Are you immersed in this? Because you see, it was Adam and Eve that failed 
to take God's word and to build Eden, tabernacling God, filling his presence um, all over the world, to extend Eden all over the world because there was nuances and little deceptions of not knowing the word. And then there was a fall and the fail of humanity, mankind. We need to be in the word. So this salt course, theological course, is not just like a, a good idea. This is fantastic foundations because so much reading a GK Beale this morning, it's just saying how so much of the church knows very little of the foundational truths of the, of the word. We need to be immersed in the word of God to know who we are and who he is in the word of God so that we can confront powers of darkness with the word. And we can be like our example, Jesus Christ. Let me just check the time because I can get a little bit. Uh, all right. So let's go. Chapter four. And we're going to read from verse one. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Luke four. Hey? In the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing for those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. That's, that's an understatement. All right. 40 days, no food and water. That's um, you, when you fast, and I have fasted some extended times in my life. You, you've got that initial hunger and pain and all those desires. And then it seems to be nice and easy for a while. It's like your body is like... It's detoxed. It's gone through that initial. But then there's a place like a couple weeks later where the body says, I'm hungry again. And that is like, I'm near starvation. You need to eat now. Otherwise, you might. All right. Okay. And that's what this is saying here. All right. And he was hungry. This was near starvation. Jesus was weak in this moment. And I love that Jesus is a man. 100% man. He loved the term calling himself the son of man, in which he called himself 81 times in the Gospels, and the son of David, all right? And so he was a man because what he came to do here, he did as a man, not as God, all right, omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient, knowing everything and all-powerful and everywhere. He came as a man, confined into the body, the flesh of a man, incarnate, the word, the living word became a man so that he could overcome what man had failed to do. He was going to win. And I love it that the Holy Spirit, this endorsing moment, my son whom I love, and I'm well pleased, out of the water, that symbolic, same kind of thing that as Israel, the firstborn son, came out of the water of, of, of the Red Sea. So Jesus is representing Israel in this moment. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, the first thing he does, leads him into battle. Leads him into the wilderness. All right? This high mountain pinnacle moment. Wow, yes, touch from God. Into the valley. Here we go. All right? And I don't know if you've noticed that in some of your experience and your walk with God. These high moments and then next thing Ishwen. All right. Now, Jesus goes straight into battle. And I want you to be aware that you were born into battle. Come on, 
You are born into battle. Yes, the work is finished to please God. Yes, the work is finished that God is happy with you. You are accepted, loved, forgiven. But I want to tell you there's still nations to inherit. There's still land to be taken. There's still devils, gods of this world that are out there operating and trying to influence and have their sway. But who's got the mandate? Who's got mission planet earth right now? It's the church. And so we too... We go through our trials and our testings to overcome so that the kingdom of God can advance and so the church can take land and so that more of his kingdom can advance and we can see his peace, his joy, and his righteousness fill the earth and so he can tabernacle everywhere, everywhere. But he tabernacles through you and through me and through our meekness, through our meekness. And so, there's, there's a couple parallels happening here. One is Israel, all right? Jesus is the new Israel, but he's also the new humanity. Because Adam, he was in a garden, and he messed it up. He represented all of humanity. But Jesus now, a new humanity, born perfect, born holy, he's representing humanity here in a garden, but he goes to overcome. And so the first temptation we look at in, um, in verse, verse 3, and it says, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. So in this moment, What's happening here is that, yes, Jesus is hungry and he would really desire to have something to eat. But how is he going to go about this? Is he going to trust his father? Or is he going to take matters into his own hands? All right? And so in this moment, Jesus chooses to be the trusting, mature son in the kingdom. And the devil is having a go. If you are the son of God, so questioning this big moment of identity and endorsement that just happened in Matthew 3, but also to say, but look at your father. You're starving, Jesus. You are in lack. You are going through a terrible time now. If you were the son, really would God be allowing you to go through this? And I don't know about you, but I know in my experience, I've especially in this last seven years of my life gone, what is going on? Oh my goodness. Why is life so tough? All right. Why is it so radically an onslaught? All right. And it, it's been in every pressure in every area, financially, emotionally, socially, family, friends. It's just been like, yo, been hectic. All right. Now, there's a moment in all of that, all of those conundrums, where I can choose to be like Israel that rebelled. I want to go back to Egypt. Ah, I can't handle it anymore. This call to salt rock, God. Ah, no, man. I just want to go back to comfortable this and that. Got a nice secure job. Yes, bang. All right. No, I'm not going to be like Israel that moaned and groaned and wandered in the desert for 40 years before they could achieve and go into their promised land. Jesus did this in 40 days. Jesus overcame what took Israel 40 years. He did it 
in 40 days. I also don't want to rush ahead. So I'm not going to be stubborn and rebellious. And I don't want to rush ahead in my own ability, by my own power and strength. Because that's the opposite of grace. Because grace means God's ability. All right? So I'm not going to try and make it happen in my own strength. But Jesus responds. And he responds so beautifully. Because this is an economic temptation. Number one, temptation is an economic temptation. There was lack. All right? Material, it's our relationship to material needs and resources. And so Jesus responds and he says, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. In the Matthew text, it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus, even in the confusion of that moment, said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to surrender to God. I'm going to continue to walk in meekness and surrender to God because God's got a great plan. God's got a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful plan and inheritance for me. I'm going to trust God. My encouragement to you, church, is no matter what in Nyaga Nyagas are happening, all right? And God bless the phrases, guys, as they go, all right? That what never, no matter what in Nyaga Nyaga is happening, that you would say, God, I'm going to choose by my will to surrender and to submit to you. I'm not going to be one of those that are stubborn, rebellious. I'm not going to try and get into my own plan achieving. I'm going to slipstream in the very river of God. I'm going to follow the Father. I'm going to be about my Father's business. James 1 verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. Don't, don't opt out. Don't tap out. Let it finish its work in you as God is building us to maturity as sons and daughters so that we may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Then verse 12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because they've stood the test. That person will receive the crown of life. I don't know about you, but I am going for the crown of life. I want to wear that crown here. I want to wear that crown there. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to get a crown. All right. All right. (laughs) The word says there's a crown of life. I'm going for the crown of life. Okay. That the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. He can't tempt you. God is not evil. He can't tempt you. All right. Nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. The devil's not even the problem. There's a flesh, pagati, inside, all right, that is saying, "Mm, I want this, I want that. And it's your battle, spirit versus the flesh, to increase the spirit man. To give him dominance in your life and to put the flesh down. That's why we pray and fast sometimes. Not to get the breakthrough and healing and deliverance from demons. That's the wrong emphasis and focus and motive when you fast. Fasting does not deliver you from a demon or heal you or bring the breakthrough. 
Okay? So what, what is it then? All right? Uh, <laughs> faith does that. Faith is what gets the healing, the deliverance, the provision, the breakthrough. But fasting puts down the flesh and it builds up your spirit, man, so that you can receive by faith. Amen. Yes, come on. <laughs> so the first temptation is an economic one. Why are you hungry, Jesus? Can you trust him? You feel this way? Why are you feeling this way? All right. It's, it's one to be independent from God and to take matters in your own hand. But Jesus, like I've already read the Matthew text, but he responds from Deuteronomy 8. That's where he gets it from because he was immersed in the word of God. And it says, remember how the Lord your God in Deuteronomy 8 verse 2 led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what is in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So, the second temptation is now the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to those whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. Wow. So the devil's wanting Jesus to take a bow, to take a shortcut. You see, he takes him to this mountaintop, and there's probably no big mountain there around that Jerusalem, Israel area. It's probably just a big hill. But he looks and there's this, there's this vision of the kingdoms of the earth that are available. And you know what? It was the devil's to give. Because the devil had got it from Adam and Eve. In Psalm 115 verse 16 it says, The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. And Adam and Eve messed it up, and gave their authority over to Ha-Satan. And so he had the title deed to the nations, and he's offering the nations to Jesus. But in Psalm 2, it says, Ask, and you, I will make the nations your inheritance. Jesus knew there was someone else that gives legitimately, gives the nations, that has the full authority over all of earth and heaven. And that he, it's his to give, not Satan's. And so Satan offers it because the title deed was in his hand to give. Just a shortcut. This is a political temptation. And this is one of military power because even in the expectation of the Jewish context at that time, they were expecting a military king to come and take over to win back from the Romans and that Israel would again have their freedom and the land. All right? 
But he chose not to be seduced into a political temptation and a shortcut, all right? Because in life, there, especially in our context, there are shortcuts. There's little underhanded deals this way, all right? There's pushing down someone else to make yourself greater and give yourself a better platform, all right? There's a little law, a little among this way, all right? So that you can make yourself look better in this way. There's political shortcuts that we can be falling temp into temptation with. And so Jesus, if he had taken the shortcut, yes, he would have had the nations of the earth, but he would have bowed down to Satan and you and I would have been condemned to hell for all eternity. Because he knew, I cannot take a shortcut. I am Israel's suffering servant. I'm going to go all the way to the cross. It might be difficult. It might be hard. And I want to tell you, discipleship in Jesus Christ is not a bed of roses. It's not an easy road. When you've said, I want to be a disciple of Jesus, aye, aye, aye. All right? No, there are some valleys and there's some great mountaintops. There are some battles, but there are victories in Christ Jesus. We are in a battle. And it is not easy. And so we need to be a people that are following Jesus Christ and his example. All right. He has overcome and because of him slip streaming in his grace and in the Holy Spirit, we too can overcome one step at a time, one day at a time, one decision at a time, every day. And they are all purposeful. They all count and achieving for you an eternal glory. All right, so this is a character test. And he wasn't going to evade. He wasn't going to subside or compromise. Jesus was walking all the way through. All right, so be careful of gossips. Be careful of camps. Uh, oh, I'm going to, yeah, just add this little, uh, little thing in my ear here. Yeah, yeah, no, they, yeah, those oaks. All right, be careful of these little things. God wants to knit us together as his body. Unify us. All right? Nip those things in the bud. Put them in their place straight away. All right? Anything that speaks a harsh word against the leaders of this church, you need to say, hang on, let's go talk to them right now. Let's go sort that out right now. All right? The, those are all so important, guys. Because we end up getting into little fractions with each other rather than the main game, which is taking the nations of the earth. All right? And so the application here of this, let us not take shortcuts because we need to have that long obedience in the same direction. We need to be faithful. We need to be people that because of Christ's victory in us and living in the grace of God, we are empowered to overcome. We can be faithful and enduring through any trial and test to show what's inside our hearts, the gold inside of us, the hope of glory that is inside of you. All right? Because when we mess up, you know, on your side of obedience, there are actually people's lives that are transformed, changed, and impacted. But on this side of your disobedience, there could be a neglect and a lack and a, people's lives not changed. You see, this is crucial, and it's the times are urgent that, yes, we go and we preach the gospel, but, yes, we live the gospel. All right? 
And Jesus in Hebrews 5 verse 7 to 9, he learned obedience. He learned it from what he suffered. So when you're going through a hard time, it's time to rejoice. It's time to get your joy on. It's time to get your songs out. It's time to sing. Barren woman, sing. All right. It's time to raise your voice and shout and declare. It's not time to <laughs> Winnie the Pooh or that, you know, Eeyore, the, 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 you know, Eeyore. All right. Okay. It's time to get your praise on, church. All right. So let's go. Number three. All right. And then Jesus responded, just ending it. Number two, you shall worship the Lord your God and him shall you serve only. Number three, temptation. And that's verse nine. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. That's the highest place. And it's in Jerusalem. So now there's the wilderness, all right? But now he's in Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem is a market square. There's a temple, all right? There's hustle, there's bustle, there's people, okay? And then it goes on, and, and he said to him, Satan said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So now Satan is misquoting Psalm 91, all right? He's, he's just giving it a little, a little twist. All right, as the tester does, all right, this creature of rebellion that is set up against God and those that are made in the image of God, he comes, he twists it now because you see, when we take text out of its context, you are left with a con, a lie. All right, that's why we need to know the word of God and every little nuance so we can be strong in this battle. All right? And then, so Jesus, he responds, and he said, It is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. See, this temptation is a social temptation. It's one of, come on, perform. Do something miraculous, something that's really just amazing right now. Come on, um, you know, put yourself forward. Make it happen. Significance. It's a social temptation. Because there were people there. And if he had done something so amazing like that, that would have been a proof. But he wasn't going to fall into the temptation that Israel fell into in Exodus 15 at the Massa when they were asking for water and they tested God. He said, no, you don't put your Lord God to the test. And so he wasn't going to try and perform and make something happen just to... Uh, just to kind of get ahead, fall into that social temptation, all right? So, he also, he says, get behind me. Get, that's it. Get out, Satan. Get out. There's another place in Scripture where he said, get behind me. Get out. And that was with Peter. When he also didn't know the Word of God, didn't know that Jesus was to be the suffering servant, all right? And so this kingdom that he's bringing is a selfless kingdom. It's a loving, forgiving kingdom. 
It's a suffering servant king, all right? And it's a generous, loving king. And the kingdom doesn't operate like the kingdoms of this earth. It's a different way. So he says, lead us in, in God's, Jesus' prayer, the disciples' prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's why he says, get out, Satan. Go. And at times, we've got to rise up. We can't just be passive. We've got to say, get out. Pumakime, Satan. All right? Get out in the name of Jesus. All right? So in our discipleship, sometimes Satan wants to dehumanize you. He wants to, if you are the son of God, the greatest image bearing display that you can be is when you are a son and daughter of the most high God. That is what it means to be truly human. But he wants to dehumanize you by making you question your sonship, by questioning your identity. All right. So God is not under my service. This temptation was a temptation of genie and the lamp kind of idea, Christianity. You know, when you just, you, you wipe the, the, the lamp and whoop, God comes out like the genie to bless you, all right? The blessings are not God. And so he is not under my service. I am under his service. God is not a dog to do little tricks for us. So this was a temptation of being popular, spectacular. Hey, as a minister, sometimes you get up here and there's those moments where, Ishwin, I don't know what's going on. And you feel like you've got to do that monkey in the box, kind of, you know, you've got to pull something out. It's not to be spectacular. We're not going to subside to that kind of temptation. We're going to live following, meek, in the ways of Jesus Christ. So just to conclude today, guys, that God is filling the earth with his presence through his church. You are part of that. You are needed in that. It is so crucial and important in your discipleship journey. And yes, there's tension. And maybe you're here today and you're like, you know, Sydney, I've actually, I've messed up and I've fallen. I've done stuff. Father, we just pray that whatever is happening there right now, we just declare peace. And in the name of Jesus, just your wonderful touch over that person. Thank you, mighty God. This requires faithfulness, obedience, humility as priests and as royalty in his kingdom. We need the word of God. And we need to be immersed in the word of God. Like I end with Psalm 119 today. Where it says, store up, I store up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, God. We were born into war, church. You are fully equipped with everything inside of you in your born again spirit to do well, to see the kingdom of earth advance in and through your life. The kingdom of God advance and mission planet earth. And so be secure in your identity. Know that you are a loved son of God. Always put the lies. Always put the, the underminings or the anxieties, the worries 
and those issues of life that want to come and distract you and throw you off your course. Put them at the cross. Be intentional to give them over to Jesus Christ and to receive and to receive the truth, the Holy Spirit's spoken word over your life so that you can live day by day. Those are short accounts you need to do every day in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Can you stand, please? Ministry team, you're most welcome to come forward. Because I really felt that this is an alignment this morning. If you'd like to just close your eyes and receive. Ministry team, you're most welcome to come and be with me up front. That there's an alignment this morning. That maybe you've been through the battle and it's been hard and it's been tough and it's been long. But there's something more important than just surviving with bread and shelter and clothing. It's meaning, it's, it's identity in God, it's your vocation, your purpose. It's finding that you are thriving and living for Him, even if it means to the point of death, as Jesus so beautifully displayed to us. That Father, we align ourselves to your plan, your purpose, and to your call of our lives as disciples, as the little anointed ones, as little Christs on the earth today. Help us, Father God. Fill us with your grace. Fill us right now. Father, I even thank you if there's people that need to repent and say, God, we have failed and have fallen here, that today is an alignment moment. It's an overcoming moment that we can get back into the slipstream. And I thank you, Father God, any lies that have tried to set themselves up to undermine our identity and our call in you, that, Father, you would deal radically this morning. Come, Holy Spirit, and shine your light, shine your truth, your word into those areas so that we can be a people liberated and the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. I pray for that. Thank you, Holy Spirit.